So, John, have you ever dreamed a dream of time gone by? You're staring at me with a very blank look on your oh, face. Oh, sorry, I thought there was going to be more to that question. No. I thought it was going to be under, and if so, what was it about? Well, well I mean, I guess that's implied. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, well, I, yeah, I had a weird dream last night as it happens. Uh. No, I dreamt that... I don't know you look very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, you weren't in it. I don't okay. Um, <laughs> no, I dreamed I was sat somewhere like so maybe here maybe in a some kind of social situation like mm-hmm. with people but mm-hmm. no one specific you dreamt you had friends i dreamt i had friends i know it was such a bizarre one mm. yeah but no um that sounds really sad then <laughs> i dreamed a dream that i had friends <laughs> um no i was i dreamt that i was like sat in a group situation uh and there was a dead pheasant on my leg like on my foot i had the same dream really no of course God. not <laughs> <laughs> wow, that'd be. <laughs> yeah, but I was. It was one of those things where I was. I was like, it was there, and I knew it was there, and I was mm. thinking to myself, that looks really weird. I should probably get that off my foot because obviously there were people around, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to like surreptitiously get this giant it, dead pheasant off my. Was foot. it a slipper? No, it was just lying there dead, like a spread eagle. Across, like I had my feet up, mm-hmm. and it was just spread eagle, like across my ankles or something. Yeah. Just like a big male dead blue pheasant. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was quite embarrassing and strange. I don't know what that represents. Probably it's... sexual frustration. They all deep down represent sexual frustration <laughs> with your mother or something. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. It's generally, yeah. it yeah. all comes down to the parents. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Are you trying to fly away? Is that thing you? you, you you're, well, the pheasant you, is famously you, a flightless you're, bird. You're, 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 t- you're tired of walking everywhere, so you want to fly away. But your ambitions are so low that you know the, the, the humble you, pheasant is as far as it, it tried can. flying and it didn't go. It so got well shot down so, pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 It's a pretty a metaphor for my career, I guess. <laughs> Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really, how? How that could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the box set. Welcome, everybody, to the 150th episode of Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are going to be pitching prequels, sequels and spin-offs to Tom Hooper's masterpiece, question mark, uh, Les Miserables. Yeah, that woohoo at the start is as happy as I'm going to sound in this episode. (laughs) Uh, We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they've put in our uh, Facebook and Twitter pages. Mm -hmm. But first we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments, or I guess (laughs) least favourite moments, from the film and a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most... Tonally accurate, tonally accurate singing voice. Sure. However, I cannot speak. It seems. No, not tonight. No. I'm joining me as always. Have you given up? Have you sold some teeth? Is that what's happened today? <laughs> have you sold your hair? Yes, like, years ago. Yes. Very, very generously. You can tell. Yeah, yeah that's how I afford this apartment. So you're welcome. And joining me as always is the jellical screaming cat that is John Lucas. <laughs> Wrong musical, but sure. I'll take that. Could have been worse. Near enough. Um. 150. 150. Congratulations to us. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I feel like, like we've done pretty well. I should have got us a cake, I forgot. Oh, well. We didn't give me a cake for the, the, the last... Uh, we got a cake for the 100th. Did we? Or maybe the 50th. I definitely the got 100th us a... was a live show. We got a cake. Maybe it was for 50 then. We definitely There was definitely like a, a landmark one where I got us a little cake. I remember it distinctly. Okay. Maybe it was Forrest okay. Gump. Anyway, maybe. you've got... Yeah. The, there's no cake. I'm sorry. Sure. Well, instead, I brought a spreadsheet full of stats. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been getting quite bored recently, and when I, what I do is I make spreadsheets. Okay. Turns well, out that uh, you've picked 50 episodes of the 150 that we've done. Only 50? Yep. 
Okay. I've only picked 49. Okay. So, oh, so we've had 50 guest episodes. We've had 51 guest episodes. Wow. Guest that's or like... Suggestion, th- Patreons. or just anything that's not either you, your or my choice. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Well, yeah. I, like that. I think I like that. It means we're getting exposed to each other's tastes and also the tastes of other people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 56% of the films we've done, I have not seen before. Okay. I'm surprised that's that, that low, low, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought we'd be in the mid-90s. Mm. Well, you've got to remember that I'm picking a third of them. So well, that's true. Is yeah. that mm. um, of, of your choices? I've not seen eighty percent of them. That makes more sense. Yeah. Well, I, I deliberately try and choose films you've not seen because I'm trying. To, like I said, I'm trying to you know oh, yeah. broaden yeah. your horizons. Yeah, yeah. Thirty percent of the films that I've seen, I've, I've, that I've chosen, I've not seen. Okay. So you know, I'm, I'm doing the same to an extent, but not largely. Mm. Um, anyway, that's the. That's that. That's the end of stats. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go too long, or else I get boring, wouldn't it? So. Les Miserables. Les Miserables, yes. Heaven forbid something go on for too long and get boring. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. I mean, my God. Is this film boring? I find this film unbelievably tedious. Yeah? You know, I had to watch it a third time. <laughs> Wait, why? Because, so I saw this film in the cinema. Yeah. And I would honestly describe it as the worst cinema experience. Whoa. In, in the top three worst. What else is up there? Well... I didn't walk out of it like a what would have dude where's my car. So that's always at the high right. point for me. But this, I mean, I think so I'm just... So it's better than dude where's my car. I'm not even sure it is. <laughs> I just think I'm more, like, inclined to be bloody-minded and sit through to the end. I can't imagine what I would walk out of in the cinema now unless it was something that was, like, profoundly upsetting me. Was this film a better or worse cinema experience than Predator? Oh, Predator was just forgettable and bland, but I wasn't... I know this was I worse. I think it was this at was... the time. Like, I listened back to a bit of our review of that, and you were very passionately like, I wish that we'd left. Maybe. No, no. <laughs> but Yeah, but I mean, I can't remember being... I can't remember while watching Predator, literally clawing at my chair in <laughs> absolute <laughs> desperation for it to end. <laughs> was this that bad? It really was. For, for me, it really was. Like, I can see the appeal, but mm-hmm. I don't know the musical. It's not mm-hmm. one that I'm familiar with or passionate about I don't particularly like the songs mm-hmm. it is so long <laughs> it's so long and all the good songs are in the first half hour of this two and a half hour movie yeah, well, there's the ones either side of the intermission I guess do you hear the people sing's alright yeah. like, or maybe half, half an hour's pushing it but most of the good songs are in the first half one more day how does that one go again one more day That's all I can't just sing the words <laughs> like, no, I Dreamed a Dream is a good song. Yeah. Do You Hear the People Sing, I guess, is a good song. Yeah. Master of the House is my favourite song. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. They're all like, in the first, definitely in the first 90 minutes, at least, of this two and a half hour movie. Yeah. And then the end, honestly, I would say the end of this film has more false endings than The Return of the Fucking King. <laughs> it just keeps going. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember when I saw this in the cinema, I must have seen it on a late night or at the end of its run or something because it was very popular. Mm. But when I went to see it, it was in an empty screen, so I was on my own. I suppose ever, like, uh, past the the uh, the blockade, yeah. like, as soon as the blockade falls, mm. that's when it really should be wrapping up. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you're right there, and that's, like, a good hour before the end or something. It, it truly, truly is, yeah. Yeah. We've got to follow fucking Hugh Jackman very slowly deciding to die. <laughs> but no, the bit where... We'll get to it, but the bit where... Russell Crowe's character commits has his suicide song. Yeah. 
that at that point I like I never do this. But I genuinely lost my mind for a second, and just midway through that song, I like shouted at the screen, "Just die!" <laughs> wow. If, I'm fa- so thankful I was alone because yeah. I would have been kicked out. But like, <laughs> it was that like oh, it was that much for me. But yeah, so I, wo- I saw this in the cinema, and after walking out, I vowed never to watch that film again. <laughs> I was like, that is one of the worst. That is decidedly not for me. Mm-hmm. Never again. Mm-hmm. Then you picked it last week. Yeah. And, you know, it's been like five or six years since it came out. You know, so I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going to be a bitch about it. I'll watch the so, film. So me and John went to our friend Charlotte's, my ex-house mate, because we went to go and watch the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, okay, well, John is passionately against this film, you know, mm-hmm. after, you know, me announcing it last week. Sure. Uh, so I thought, eh, let's make it a bit, a bit better. Let's all, like, drink to it and watch it all together. And it'll be a bit bit fun. It'll be a bit of a fun yeah. time. I know. That was the, you, you had the right idea. And did not, it help? Maybe the reason, the thing is, yes, it was more, much more bearable watching it with you and Charlotte. Yeah. But the thing is, I wasn't really watching it. Yeah. Because John, John did suggest, you know, guys, we could work Marriage Story instead. That, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> I said, well, only because you guys haven't seen it, and it's one of the most animated films. Yeah. So you're gonna have to yeah, watch yeah, it whatever. at some point. And yeah, but and how many did it win? Uh, one. No, one, one. Laura Dern, one, one. Best supporting actress. She's that's, that's not an important category. Well, she still won one. Who even is she? She's, I know. <laughs> the best part of The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> the most consistently written character in The Last Jedi, whose decisions all make total sense. Anyway, different podcast. Uh, Purple-haired okay. lady yeah. who yep. calls... No, 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 I, I, I yeah. didn't know she was. Okay. Now, the reason was that I spent the first, like, 90 minutes of that film trying to set up our stream for the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, wasn't really watching the film. So when it came to this week, thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to do a sequel and talk about this film... I was like, oh crap, I'm going to have to watch it again, aren't I? Because I really was, I was really checked out. So I had to watch it again last night. Yeah. Okay, and I'm not taking any kind of blame for that. No, 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 that's all that on is, me. That's all yeah. on me. I often watch films twice if I'm going to be talking about them. But So I watched it again last night and oh my God, the sheer endlessness of it all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, long story short, not my cup of tea. No. Yeah. Would you ever watch it again? I can't imagine any time when I would be in would need to now. At least we've got it out of the way. You know what? It's like you're in Glenn Close season. Yeah. Yes, it was bad. <laughs> that will never happen again. You know? That's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have crossed the Les Mis Bridge. I wonder if there's any way that I can force you to watch it in some way. Like, I can't force you on Two Geeks, Two Movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe start a new podcast sometime. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Well, we live in hope. So yeah. what about you? I'm guessing you have a higher opinion of it than I do. No, I really like this. Okay. Really do, enjoy it. Do you know the musical first, or no? No, I um, I know the film first. I've not actually seen a stage show. Okay, so what do you like about it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the music. Sure, I find, I find a lot of the music quite catchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've named all the good songs, mm. but I think most of the music around between those songs is just it's conversational music, which. I don't know if that's new to this. Yeah, I think I'm, that's I'm, my... I'm, I'm sure there are other stage shows that have done this where they yeah. just sing everything. Yeah, Evita does that too. Okay. I think it's called a, an operetta or a rock opera. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, there's a style of musical like, say, Mamma Mia, where <clears throat> they'll be talking and dialogue and then suddenly song and dance. Mm-hmm. And I think I like those musicals. Yeah. Because then you've got conversations happening, you've got a bit of a plot going on, and then when the music hits, you've got a full song, and mm-hmm. it's its own thing, and it's usually pretty catchy, you mm-hmm. know? You know, obviously mileage may vary, but on the whole, it'll be its own song. Whereas this, for every one 
really good song, and there are a couple, I'm not mm-hmm. denying it. There are at least three that are so boring, and that are just like flat, like exposition well, songs. Well, yeah, because yeah, those ones, they're not really specific songs. Well, some of them are. are. Like Russell Crowe's Suicide, all of Russell Crowe's songs, I fa- maybe it's just because he can't sing very well, but See, uh, all of his okay. songs were bad. Okay, uh, yes, I think all of his songs were bad. Mm. He only does have about one... Oh, he's got the other one where him and Hugh Jackman are fighting in the hospital or whatever. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm. When they're both singing against each other, it's great. Well, they're not singing against each other. Hugh Jackman's I, 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 singing I, 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 and Russell Crowe's barking. Mm, no, they're both singing. They're both good. I, I, I really Russell, cannot deal with Russell Crowe in this film. Russell Crowe Russell Crow is singing fine. Just a lot of the music has a lot of, like... Off-tone notes. I feel like maybe it's written around the fact that he does... It's like, it must be written around his lack of talent. Did they rewrite any of the music? I mean, like, they don't change the keys. I don't know. I just, I didn't like him. If that's what he's like, if that's what Javert as a character is like in the the stage show, then I just don't like that character and I don't like his songs or the way his songs are in. Sure. So that's just me. Sure. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. So yeah, that's my problem. Now Prisoner 24601. Your time is up and your parole's begun. You know what that means. Yes, he's am free. No. Follow to the letter your itinerary. This badge of shame will show it till you die. It warns you're a dangerous man. Stole a loaf of bread. Okay, well, I think I should do a plot some. Go ahead, sorry, I'll shut up. Because we're getting into it and... Dear God, you're, you're going off on one. Sorry, okay. I'll, I'll strip it back and t- tell you plot something. I mean, this could take a while because there's a lot going on in this film. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get through it. Mm-hmm. So we start off with Hugh Jackman and a bunch of other... They were slaves, right? Uh, prisoners. prisoners. Prisoners, yes. Yeah, the person who's kind of overseeing this is Russell Crowe playing Javert. Javert, yeah. Um, we know this because he sings his name very quickly. And I am Javert! Yeah, there's a lot of that. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> It's like he's obsessed with his own name. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Javert. <laughs> yeah, because Hugh Jackman looks at him, uh, Javert instantly hates Hugh Jackman, and yeah, uh, and they they become each other's nemeses. They never really. Obviously, he's got a general disdain for lawbreakers. Yeah, but why he becomes so specifically obsessed with this one guy? I don't uh, know. Presumably hundreds. Yeah. For the rest of his life, they never explain why that happens. It's like on the other cases you could be following up on. Yeah. Like he, it, I mean, as Hugh Jackman explains at the start, he literally is in prison for stealing a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. And whether or not Russell Crowe thinks, you know what, that's a crime is a crime. Still, I bet there's rapists there, yeah. murderers. You know, just, yeah. you know, just prioritize. Yeah, maybe bread guy is not your number one priority to get back into the system. You know. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Hugh Jackman, he sort of throws attitude towards Russell Crowe. I mean, barely, um, but sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, he looks at him. That's that's yeah, yeah. it. Uh, Russell, then Russell Crowe's like, "Hey, get me that flag." Mm-hmm. So he gets the flag, and it's really heavy, and he does it anyway, and you're like, oh, whoa, Wolverine, ooh. Do you think, because Hugh Jackman, I mean, Hugh Jackman looks like shit in this scene, but do you think because Hugh Jackman's quite hot, generally, do you reckon it's like a psychosexual thing, where Russell Crowe's like, oh, this is raising feelings I don't like, he must die, because like, he always has that like nervous like energy about him, like, you know. He, could be, yeah. it's an interesting theory. That could be a reading of it, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and so then he does it, and Hugh Jackman's like, my name is Jean Valjean, yes. whatever. <laughs> And, uh, he put on way more of a French accent than, than Hugh I meant Jack- to. The new Jackman <laughs> attempt to dive it. Hugh yeah. Jackman in the first few scenes sounded well, no, Northern no, Irish. Well, well, no one's trying to be French. It's everyone's no. English. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but yeah, most, yeah. mostly you are correct. Yeah. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then somehow we, we, we cut to the next scene. Hugh Jackman has escaped, I guess. No, he, he at the, in the first scene, he has served his time. He's on parole. Mm. So he's, he's on parole. 
which means he can he's free, but he has to stay in the city and he has to report back right, to, okay. you know, every 30 days or something. And it's really hard for him to get any kind of job or shelter. So he ends up homeless because no one wants to hire an ex-con. He ends up seeking sanctuary in a church mm-hmm. and a kindly old bishop played by a guy who, I think his name's Colin Wilkinson, mm. who played the original Jean Valjean in the stage musical. So mm. little nod to the original there. Very good. Uh, but he kindly lets him in and grants him sanctuary. But then uh, Jean Valjean repays that kindness by stealing all his candlesticks, all his, all his you know, all his riches. <laughs> all, his, all his silver. All his silver, yeah. yeah. Gets caught, the police bring him back to the, the church. Mm-hmm. And then the bishop very kindly says, oh, no, I gave him all that stuff. Here, have more. Just, yeah. he, the bishop lies to kind of spare him from going back to jail. Mm-hmm. And, so then, and then the bishop tells him, look, I've done you this good deed now. You know, take take the silver that you stole, but you have to promise me you're going to make a better life for yourself and be a good man out yeah. of it. And that's how Hugh Jackman then breaks parole, runs away, starts a new life as, an, as a kind of on-the-run con. Yeah, and then... Hard cut five years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine, I think it is. Nine, Seven yeah. or nine. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It felt nine years later. Sure. Am I right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now Hugh Jackman is like the mayor of a town, I think. Something like that. He's yeah. done well for himself. He has really... He's done yeah. very well he for himself. He has definitely climbed upwards, yeah. Yeah. And... Because you know, if you want to keep a low profile, if you're like a wanted criminal, mm. maybe don't go into public office. Yeah. It's just a thought, you know. There's yeah. a lot of other careers, but... Yeah. Yeah, but it's probably quite easy to just make yourself a new identity. Oh, sure, then. yeah. I mean, he shaved, he put on a bit of weight, he looked a lot better, you know. Mm, yeah. Anyway, that, now we start centering on Anne Hathaway's character. I forget if she has a name. Fontaine. Fontaine, that's it. Yes, she's working at one of his, like, factories or mills or something. Yeah. Owned by Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Or yeah. Sean. Yeah. Yes. And, well, for whatever reason, that doesn't go so well. Why did she get kicked out of that again? She seems to be absolutely hated by all of the other women. Yeah, ev- for... everybody hates her, and I've no idea why. Because no. I would assume that at least one of them is going through the same thing, if not multiple of them are going through the same thing yeah. as her. Because it turns out one of the you pointed her out straight away. One of the like side characters mm. is this like lady with very sharp cheekbones. Yeah, and you said while we were watching it last week, you said, "Well, this actress clearly only ever plays bitches because <laughs> she's just got that face. Yeah, she definitely has resting like villain face." Mm-hmm. No. Oh, come on, Fontaine, let's have all the news. Dear Fontaine, you must send us more money. Your child needs a doctor. There's no time to lose. Give the letter to me. It is none of your business. Put the husband at home in a bit on the side. Is there anyone here who can swear? But for God, she has nothing to fear. She has nothing to hide. They, t- they find out that she has a, a daughter mm-hmm. and that she's sending money to that daughter. The daughter's being kept being looked after by some local innkeepers, who mm-hmm. we will meet later, mm-hmm. uh, and she's sending money to them. And they find out about this, and all the women just lose their shit. They're just mm. like, this is unacceptable. She must be kicked out immediately. Yeah. For why? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, what, what's wrong with that? Because she's got a daughter and yeah. she's doing her best. To- yeah. They never even said that like it was an illegitimate daughter, like it was a you know quote unquote mm. sin. Like mm-hmm. she said, the father left her. Mm. Never said whether they were married or not. It, 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 I maybe I didn't understand why they had it in for her so much. No, maybe maybe Fontaine was just a right bitch. Maybe it, she just was very unlikable, and they just this was their moment to like bring her down a peg. Yeah, maybe was the only thing I could think or, of. Or, they, or, or, or maybe just like on her first day of work, she did something embarrassing. You know, she she farted. Or possibly, something. yeah. Um, that's enough, yeah. Yeah, that's and, it, and, and, and then just, everybody's been bullying her. Because yeah. she doesn't have a friend this. in the place. Not one woman tries to help her. It's all no. of them are just, like, out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, she gets she gets kicked out, like, literally kicked out of the door. Through the door, onto the streets. Um, well, the, the thing is, Hugh Jackman is... <clears throat> Jean Valjean, I should say. Valjean is there at the time, 
and she screams out, you know, take take pity on me, sir. But mm. but he's distracted because for the first of many times in the movie that will happen in this movie, Javert pops out, Javert out, pops out of nowhere. Up, yeah, just lurking around a doorway. <laughs> And it's the, I presume it's the first time they've seen each other in all these years. He doesn't, mm. uh, Javert doesn't recognise Valjean, mm-hmm. uh, but Valjean is suitably distracted that he doesn't notice or doesn't pay attention to the fact that this poor lady Fantine is being kicked out of his yeah. factory. So she gets cast onto the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly there's a commotion on the street mm-hmm. and Hugh Jackman rushes out and there's a man underneath a cart that's fallen on him. Oh, yeah. And uh, nobody else can lift it. And so Hugh Jackman, he lifts it. And then Russell Crowe is like... I I've, I've seen a man lift a thing before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he recognises Hugh Jackman because he's so hench. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> this was really I, what played into I, my... I, I think maybe, yeah, what, what you're about to say, I think he probably just got the same feelings, you know, downstairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, oh. Like, damn, one shoulder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then... Does Russell Crowe just leave? Russell Crowe... That starts Russell Crowe's suspicions, yeah. but he doesn't quite fully... He doesn't quite fully accuse him just yet. He, he yeah. does, it, it sets his wheels in motion. But then... Oh, that's it. But then another man ends up getting arrested for, oh, running, yeah, for breaking it. parole. Yeah. It is mistaken for Valjean, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And so Russell Crowe assumes he's made a mistake. He goes to apologise to mm-hmm. Valjean. Because Russell Crowe's character is very, like, by the book. Incredibly, mm-hmm. like, almost pathologically, mm-hmm. you know, does the right thing. Or not does the right thing, but does the uh, follows the rules. And so he says, I'm really sorry. I mistook you for someone else and I almost told people but now it turns out the real Jean Valjean or the real 82601 which is his code name is 24601 24601 sorry I can't believe that wasn't burned into my brain 24601 has been caught and is going to go down or whatever maybe get killed I don't know and this makes Hugh Jackman full of guilt Mm -hmm. and he decides he's going to have to go and um, own up own up yes but before that happens Mm -hmm. he runs into Fontaine again well we get Fontaine's before that happens, we go to Fontaine's terrible fall from grace. Yeah, so she, now without a job, seems to be immediately homeless. Yeah, it all goes downhill very quickly for Fontaine. Yes, and so she goes down to wherever all the prostitutes hang out, basically. The docks. The docks. It, was it the docks? It's always the docks, yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's looking for work there, and she's like, well, I don't really want to give anything or do anything, but, you know, can I have some money? And they're like, yeah, give us your teeth, give us your hair, mm-hmm. go and lie there for a bit. Yeah. And she does all, all three of those things. Um, I would say in the wrong order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to you know, not to judge women's cho- any woman's choices, but if you want to make a go of it as a sex worker, maybe keep your hair and teeth. <laughs> you can yeah. probably charge more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she seems to do well. I mean, it, maybe there was a little bit of a time jump that we missed. That maybe she sold her teeth. That wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, fine, cut my hair then. Mm-hmm. I think she, the hair went first. Was it the hair that it went It went hair, first? teeth. Virtue. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, maybe she didn't plan on becoming a prostitute. She thought, she thought that she could... Nobody make... plans to become a prostitute, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, maybe, it just happens, okay? Maybe she thought that she could, you know, get by just by selling her teeth and her hair. Sure, yeah. I mean, um, it's a short-term plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, but no, she, to be serious for a second, she's desperate because... The innkeepers, the, they're called the Fenardiers, who we're going to, as I said, we'll meet later, who are looking after her daughter, keep writing her letters saying that her daughter's very sick and mm-hmm. desperately needs medicine. Basically, they are, we find out later, just taking money off her. Yeah. But she doesn't know that. So she's desperate. She thinks if she doesn't make money right away to send to her daughter, mm-hmm. her daughter will die. So it is desperation, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her daughter, who's called Cosette. Cosette. Yes. Not Cosette, not Colette. 
Cosette. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and so that's when Anne Hathaway wins her Oscar. She does. So she gets, uh, a, a, like, a, a man attacks her, and then she fights back, scratches his face or something, mm-hmm. and then he calls the police, he calls out to Javert and the police, and basically she's about to get arrested. Well, I think the police just, they're there already. Well, yeah, because like, Javert... Like, like, they just pop up out of... It's not, it's not Javert, it's just regular police. No, he's there. Is he? He's like, definitely there. Because then Jean Valjean saves her. Yeah, he does, but they don't know yet that they... He doesn't know no, yet. I don't that, remember Javert being there. No, Javert is there, because Javert is everywhere. Ah, oh, true. He's like a fucking X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> he just appears whenever there's a crime. Mm-hmm. So she's about to get arrested, and then uh, Jean Valjean happens to be there, and he takes pity on her, and he asks her what how she fell so low, mm-hmm. and she says, it's you, you did this to me. You looked away while I was kicked out onto the streets. Mm-hmm. And he's overcome with guilt. So he saves her, takes her back to his place, and tries to nurse her back to health. Or takes her to the hospital, maybe. Yeah. But uh, Oh, but before that, sorry, yeah, she sings her song. Yes. I forgot that in between that, she sings I Dreamed a Dream, which is her big her big number. It's the big one of the it's film, the, really. the, the big number of the song. Mm. And it's a, you know, it is her memory. This is what I mean. It's like it, it's exactly the same as Cats. It's like, you know, sad lady, sad lady sings song about sad life, wins Oscar. I mean, not that Jennifer Hudson's going to win an Oscar. <laughs> for that, in another world, in another life. Yeah. yeah. Taylor she, Swift, maybe. Yeah, she won the ability to die in that it's film. I'm told that Taylor Swift got a Golden Globe nomination over Jennifer Hudson. Well, it was for the song. Oh, it was the original song. That's it right. wasn't for her performance. Sorry. Yes, my bad. Heavens my bad. Yeah. Mm. Take it back. Um, yeah, mm. so I Dreamed a Dream, which is a very, very good performance. Yes. It's great. Uh, and so then she goes to hospital um, where she promptly dies while speaking to Jean Valjean, and she's like, I have a daughter. And he's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, he promises to to rescue her daughter and that her daughter will be will want for nothing in this yeah. life, yeah. To make amends, I guess. And then again, out of nowhere, Javert pops up the mm. moment that Anne Hathaway passes. Yeah. Like the instant. I want us to see like a side movie of him just like skulking around, <laughs> like wait, waiting for his most dramatic <laughs> moments to make his big entrance. Yeah. He is he's just a big old queen. He just likes to be melodramatic all the time. Yeah, I'm really you. this was not something I'd thought about before we started recording, but now the more I talk about it, the more I'm really buying into this. Mm-hmm. Javert is gay theory. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not quite sure if it's definitely real or not. So if you could, if you could watch it again, let me know, please. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> it was just the once more. Yeah, please. So yeah, then uh, Javert and uh, uh, Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe. They have, there we go. Yeah. They have a sword fight with a sword and a piece of wood. Yep. No symbolism there whatsoever. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, both singing songs. Yeah. Um, which. I really enjoyed. Yeah. I really liked that scene. And Hugh Jackman runs away. Yeah. Oh, that, they're like, nego- well, not really negotiating because uh, mm. Javert is a no negotiating state of mind. Mm-hmm. But Hugh Jackman's like, look, I need to save this little girl and then I'll come back and I will yeah. give I will ha- I will give myself up willingly. Yeah. But Javert's having none of it. And so Hugh Jackman's forced to escape yeah. and jumps into the river and disappears for another seven or eight years. Yes. Well, well no. Well, he saves Colette first. Sorry, yeah, or yeah. Cosette first. So, yeah, then we go to the... Uh, we meet Cosette, we go to the inn. We, we, we go to the inn, we get, I guess, your favourite song of the, yes, of, Master of, of the House. Of the film. Yes, so this is the Fernardiers, that's what the characters yeah. are called. Uh, they are played by uh, Sasha Baron Cohen mm-hmm. and Helena Adam Carter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, th- this was like They're a welcome... fantastic in this. They are, they are a welcome blast of like fun and silliness mm-hmm. in a musical that is mostly very sad, serious <laughs> and boring. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, this, is, this is easily my favourite song. Mm-hmm. I do have questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. This film, as we mentioned earlier, set in France. Mm-hmm. Every character is just speaking in an English accent. Mm-hmm. Why is his character the only one who's putting on like a very fake French accent? I don't know. Maybe just 
he was the only person who could get away with it, and Tom Hooper just let him because he's such a Cohen. Even Helena Bonham Carter, like nothing, like she's just doing her regular accent. Yeah. For some reason, he's just like he's like the chef from The Little Mermaid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it could be that he's like a con man. Like nothing about him is real. That's true. Nothing about him is authentic. He also dips in and out. He also goes from like Cockney to French, like yeah. kind of interchangeably for some reason. Yeah. You know? But yeah, you're right. It. it, it Mm. I'm not complaining I just thought it was a weird choice I would have liked it if because there was a time when Hugh Jackman does say to Cosette later on that like okay we'll get on the train to London I'd love it if they'd gone to London everyone now has everyone was French yeah, be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly just play with it have a bit of fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Master of the house, doling out the charm, ready with a handshake and an open palm. Tells a saucy tale, makes a little stir. Customers appreciate the bon vivre. Glad to do a friend a favor. Doesn't cost me to be nice. But nothing gets you nothing, everything has got a little frost. But yeah, so Slash Brand Cohen and Helen Bonham Carter, they run this inn slash pub. That must get no return visitors whatsoever surely not no mm-hmm. unless they just get everybody drunk out of their mind well, and they just forget stuff that seems to be basically what their business plan is yeah yeah that, yeah. the whole song is about how they just get everyone pissed and steal all their stuff from them including eyes glasses fake legs mm-hmm. they sell them beer that's basically watered down piss mm-hmm. yeah, they, the, the food they serve is like ground up cat tails cat tails and yeah. hats and fake legs and all yeah. yeah it's pretty grotesque yeah mm-hmm. also your favourite character pops up in this scene Oh. Yeah, Santa. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bizarre little runner in this song, with uh, which the only reference to any part of this film happening around Christmas, mm. but there's a Santa Claus operating outside the pub mm-hmm. who gets dragged in, then a lady dressed as an elf has sex with him, and then he gets kicked out at the end. <laughs> what a weird choice. I'm, I'm not seeing it, but I'm pretty sure that's not in the stage show. I mean, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, but maybe. what an odd choice that was. <laughs> I mean, this whole part of the film feels like a different film. It really does. It really. It feels like a. Well, it feels like Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Because it's basically two characters from Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. playing much the same character, a con man and a woman who's a terrible innkeeper. Mm-hmm. Basically, the same characters. Yeah. But yes, they are looking after Cosette mm-hmm. and, and have, another little girl. They have their own little girl, Eponine. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, Hugh Jackman comes in and says, "Hey, I'm taking Cosette with me." Yes. They don't actually care because they treat her horribly. She's like no, a little like- Cinderella girl. Oh, he 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 just buys her. That's it. Basically, yeah, he finds yeah. her wandering in the woods, takes her back, and but they pretend that they care about her, mm. even though Sasha Baron Cohen's character can't even remember her name, which mm-hmm. is a funny little running joke. Yeah, but yeah, they they basically try and get as much money out of him as possible. Mm-hmm. Yes, then Hugh Jackman and Corvette run away into the distance mm-hmm. and cut to like fifteen, twenty years later or something. Well, yeah, because there's another run-in with Javert, mm. and so Hugh Jackman runs away with Corvette, mm-hmm. and then they go into hiding for another. I think they leave town yeah. for another seven years. Yes. Well, it's enough for uh, Cosette to turn into uh, what's her face, Mama May. Amanda Seyfried, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm getting the impression they're supposed to be like early twenties. No, I, f- maybe I think late Cosette's 20s? like sixteen, seventeen. Really? Yeah, I think so at this point. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Amanda Seyfried was definitely older than that, but you know. Yeah, I mean, Amanda Seyfried she just has that look about her that she is just perpetually sixteen. Pretty much, yeah. Gets weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then what? Happens after well, this that. is when we meet. Um, oh, the, yeah, this is. Yeah, so I think we then cut to Hugh Jackman and um, Amanda Seyfried walking through the street together. Mm. And just across the street, there is. What's his face? Oh, Eddie Redmayne, Fishface. Your yeah. favourite actor. Yeah. This was the film that really definitively made me realise that whatever Eddie Redmayne is selling, I'm not buying. 
And they fall in love instantly. I hated this. Love at first sight. Uh, also, Eponine comes back, the Fenardier's daughter, now played by Samantha Box, mm-hmm. uh, and she is madly in love with him. Yeah. But he seems to basically ignore her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like she doesn't exist. Pretty much, yeah. This is the thing. He is such a prat. In this, <laughs> that I really couldn't buy into this love story because he was just such an unworthy prat. Like, no. Like, fair enough if he doesn't love Samantha Box's character, mm-hmm. Eponine, that's fine. You know, not everyone falls in love with their friends. But, like... The fact that he falls in love with a girl who he literally glances at. Mm-hmm. And the entire time he's like, oh, Eponine, help me. I love this girl. He treats her like absolute shit. She does, Eponine yeah. deserves well better. She takes a bullet for him. She literally takes a bullet. <laughs> he's like, oh, thanks, babes. <laughs> Night. Like, yeah, she fucking she, deserves. She dies for him. Yeah, and he barely cares. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he's like, oh, a letter. <laughs> yeah, he's the... Not, even putting aside my general disdain for Eddie Redmayne, Marius is the worst. Mm-hmm. So I... Never cared about this love story. No. No, that's absolutely fair. Mm. He, he he is terrible in this. Mm. But yet we are supposed to like him, I think. Yeah. Like this... him and Amanda Sufi were supposed to buy them together. That's what and... I mean. These are supposed to be the people we root for in, this, in the second half. And mm. not at all. Like, she's not even a character. No. It's shocking how much... Cosette is not in this film. Yep. I think the child Cosette, pre-Amanda Seyfried, probably has more lines and songs. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, it's probably not that much of a gap mm. they never have a conversation no they have a very brief little romantic song through the garden mm-hmm. fence post so they have this well first of all they have their little glance at each other where they're mm-hmm. like oh fancy you fancy you yeah i'm in love with you forever oh my god you know <laughs> literally just without even getting close to each other mm-hmm. and then she has one song at the end i guess and that's it but mm. yeah Ebony, who was that girl that bourgeois to a penny thing Ebony, and find her for me what will you give me anything got you all excited now but god knows what you see in her aren't you all delighted now no i don't want your money sir there's not really much more plot that happens from here although there's still an hour and a half of this fucking movie to yeah still go. so like there's a blockade going well no they start off by having a little protest mm-hmm. uh, at some at some rich person's funeral yeah, um, this general who was like the only <clears throat> sympathetic aristocrat apparently, mm. and so they use his funeral as a reason, as a rallying point to like start the revolution. Yeah, which you know initially you think it's going to be the whole of Paris, but it really is just like six people on a street, basically throwing their lives away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> the barricade doesn't go that well, really. <laughs> Understatement um, of the century. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't go that way. They get massacred. Um, everybody dies. Yeah. In, in, well, before they die, sorry, uh, Javert, who's still like the local police oh, guy. Oh, yeah, he pretends to be on their side. He tries to, to infiltrate them. Yeah, he tries to infiltrate them. They see right through him because they're this little kid, uh, Gavroche, the little mm-hmm. blonde kid, who's basically like a radicalized, artful dodger. Yeah. Uh, he knows <laughs> he knows who he is for some reason, so mm. he's like... He, I, I, I think it's because he keeps going, and I am Javert! Yeah, yeah, this little Gavroche kid's in and he's like listening to the. <laughs> I've heard the soundtrack, I know who yeah. you are. <laughs> so he gets uh, arrested, well, not arrested, but kid, he gets like imprisoned by mm. the revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. The soldiers start, start shooting on the barricade, mm. and there's a bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. Doesn't last very long. No, um, very one sided. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much everybody dies, including. Uh, what's her face? Eponine, yeah. Eponine. She takes a bullet. She takes she, a bullet for Marius, yeah. Yeah, because like somebody points a gun at Marius, and it's like a couple of inches away from his head. She grabs the gun and just puts it towards her chest instead. Mm-hmm. She could have moved it anywhere, yeah, but uh, she moved it to point at her chest. Yeah, it's not like she jumped in front of a gun. 
She grabbed a gun and pointed it towards herself. Yeah. I know. Well, I think she was just in love with the idea of the noble self-sacrifice. Like, if I take a bullet for him, he'll definitely love me. If I, if I take a bullet for him, then at least I'm not lonely anymore. Yeah. It's ba- <laughs> basically what her song is. Like, she basically dies for attention. <laughs> yeah. And she just about gets it. She does. I mean, in the, her last moments, she... You know, he does kiss her on the forehead. He does, yeah. And, and she's like, lower. <laughs> lower. <laughs> Yes, but before she dies, she confesses that she's been keeping this letter from him. Mm-hmm. And so she gives him the letter. Mm. And that's when Marius sends Gavroche, the little kid, mm. to Jean Valjean because he, he, he delivers a, a, re- a reply letter mm. to Cosette, basically. And Valjean sees this, realises that Cosette has found true love and he has to protect this man who loves his daughter. So that's when he yeah. joins the revolution himself, sees Javert, who has been imprisoned by the revolutionaries, mm-hmm. and takes pity on him once again and spares his life and lets him free. Mm-hmm. And so Javert runs off into the night. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Eddie Redmayne has been shot in the leg. Or... He's unconscious, I don't know. He's well, like... yeah, there's a second revolutionary fight when literally everybody dies. Yeah, yeah, so first of all, yeah, Eddie Redmayne has a major injury, but it's not life-threatening, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because he's rich. Sure, I, yeah. assume. I mean, for anybody else in Paris, it probably would be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and- he gets a bullet wound, then he gets dragged through like a mile of shit. Yeah, so Hugh Jackman... How is he not dead like a week after this film closes? So yeah, Hugh Jackman takes him into the sewer to escape. There's a montage. Um, we bump into Sasha Baron Cohen, who steals Hugh Jackman's ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very random. What's he doing down there? Stealing stuff from corpses. Oh, right. I don't know why all the corpses end up in the sewer. Cor- I guess it's a good disposal. Sure, yeah. You know, you're not going to get caught, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, then Hugh Jackman gets out. Chavez waiting for him, and he's like, "If you take one more step, I'll kill you." Hugh Jackman's like, "That's rescue do. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm carrying on. Look, look, I've just saved this man. I'm covered in shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home, have a shower." Yeah, he's got um, no fucks left to give. Yeah, and uh, you know, you can kill me if you want, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do this. Yeah, and Chavez doesn't kill him, and then he's like, oh, "What's, what's the point of life?" <laughs> I, I've been trying to, I've been trying to catch this man forever, and I just had him in my hands and I let him go. Why did I do that? What's What's the point of living anymore? And he goes on and on about that for about two hours. Yeah, th- th- this was <laughs> as as I mentioned, this was the the low point of the film for me. Like that mm-hmm. that song sucks, and it goes on for so <clears throat> long. Yeah. And, and then, then eventually, and, and then he jumps off a bridge right by Notre Dame, smashes his body on part of the river infrastructure, mm-hmm. which they they really did turn the volume up on that bone crunching sound. Oh yeah. I'll escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. There is nowhere I can turn, there is no way to go on. Well, pretty much from there... There's a wedding. Let's just rush through this because it's going on. We're going long, yeah. So, Um, yeah, so Valjean manages to get Eddie Redmayne, Marius, to safety, I guess, to a hospital. He he makes a full recovery. He makes a full recovery. Marries because... Well, he doesn't marry Cosette right away, but... Yeah, they they, they go, they have a wedding. Hugh Jackman feels like he's done with his life and... Mm -hmm. Instantly, the life force starts draining from his body. Yeah, you can see it happen. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like, I have fulfilled my my narrative purpose. Now I must die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happens very quickly. Yeah. Um, so he disappears. 
for several ended. years, I think. Or some I time, do yeah. not know. And on the day of their wedding, mm-hmm. um, Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen Carter turn up just for one sort of little swan song, really. Yep. Uh, they get kicked out very quickly because they get recognised immediately. Yeah, like I said, there is no acknowledgement of the fact that their beloved daughter has died. No, well, nobody knows about her. No, 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 but they, they did when she was little. Oh like, yeah, true. Yeah, it, it's weird that it just never comes up. Also, in the musical, they didn't really make this clear in the um, film. In the musical, the little kid is her, is her little brother. All right. So they've lost both their kids. Yeah. On the sa- in the same weekend, basically. Wow. Never comes up. Bad parents. Not great parents, no. No. Yeah, yeah and so that's the last we see of them. Mm-hmm. And then Cosette and Eddie Redmayne, they're like, oh, I can feel something. I think Hugh Jackman's dying. Yeah. No, it's because... The reason the Fernandes come back into the, the wedding yeah. uh, for, the, for plot purposes is that they know where Hugh Jackman is staying. They know that he's in the convents. I don't know why, right. but they do. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because he recognises the ring. And so uh, Eddie Redmayne recognises the ring. And that's when he learns that Hugh Jackman dragged him through the sewer. On He didn't realise that Hugh Jackman had saved his uh, life right. like that. What, was that kept secret? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> why does Hugh Jackman not tell people all the good deeds he does? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's when they realise, oh, wow, that man was a saint. Mm. And then they go and find him at the convent, and he has his final... Okay, moment. so wait, did they think that he wasn't a saint for some reason, so they were just not inviting him to their wedding? No, 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 no. What happened was, so he rescues Marius, Marius recovers, mm-hmm. and then Valjean confesses to Marius that he is an ex-con, and uh, he has yeah. to leave because he can't bear to tell Cosette the horrible truth that he stole a loaf of bread <laughs> 18 years ago to save his sister and his sister's baby's life. Yeah. So instead, he must go into exile forever. Yeah. And Marius is like, "Bye, bitch." But I don't think he know. I don't think Marius knows that he the extent to which Valjean had rescued him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he figured out that he helped. Mm-hmm. But the it's only when he gets the ring from Fenardier that he realises just how much Valjean had actually done for him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, we need to f- forget what he said. Cosette needs to be reunited with her dad. Yeah. And so they go to... Yeah. So on their wedding day, they go to wherever Hugh Jackman is, is slowly dying in a church. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they watch as he turns into a ghost. And then him and Anne Hathaway walk away into the distance. Yep. And go to heaven. Really? Pretty much, yeah. And that is finally the end? Finally then. I just want to pick up on one tiny thing. Ugh. Sorry. I know, I, but... Eddie Redmayne's character arc in this film. Mm-hmm. Rich kid turned revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. We see in the first scenes with him, his 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 dad or his granddad, mm. um, who's like, you brought shame on this family. Yeah. And he's like, screw you, dad, I don't care. <laughs> and at the end, when he marries Cosette, mm-hmm. his dad is in the background like, you've come home. And then the wedding they have is super rich and fancy. <laughs> So has he just completely sold out all of his revolutionary ideals and gone back to being a rich aristocrat? I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, the two least deserving characters get the happiest ending, and I don't understand why. Yeah, pretty much everybody else dies. Yeah, everyone else ends up dead. Although, <laughs> I mean, the Fenadiers seem like they're doing all right, apart from the fact that all their kids are dead. They seem, yeah. happy. They seem happy enough. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really get doing the, the same, Doing the same old thing. Yeah. Losing their hair, both of them. They're both aging. Yeah, they're both, like, f- comically aged up, but essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it just it just tickled me that like yeah the whole revolutionary thing really mm, at the end it disappears. Like I mean the end scene has all the dead characters like do you hear the people sing? Mm. But the living characters yeah they don't care. No business well, is cause usual because they're, they're off you know making babies or whatever they're living their lives yeah yeah mm. becoming king and queen of France. Yeah, well maybe that'll backfire. <laughs> yeah. Well anyway that was less miserables. That was les miserables. Yeah. yeah. Uh, drinking games. Oh yes. I need oh, bloody time. Why did right? I need them? Yeah. 
Okay, first one. Drink whenever anybody sings their own name or the number 24601. Yeah, that was my first one as well. Yeah. <laughs> or any, yeah, anytime Hugh Jackman sings a pronoun. No, sorry. Anytime Russell Crowe sings a pronoun or that number of songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> Similarly, drink for musical exposition. Sure, yeah. When a character explains... But the whole thing's a musical. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know that. Okay. Okay, so to be more specific, when a character explains something to other characters who already know this information... Via the medium of song. Mm-hmm. So like, I am Java. Yeah, I've been in prison of yours for 19 years. I probably know your name, mate. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Lots of that. Or like, um, I am the mayor of this facility. I'm sure they know. <laughs> <laughs> Drink whenever you see a French flag or candlesticks. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Uh, oh, I think the best one of those is obviously when that other character whose name I don't think we ever even learn. One of the revolutionary guys dies. And he gets shot. Then he falls through the window and like <laughs> hangs the, out the window. Hangs out the window with his red flag, like yeah. best of death ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a full comic book guy like death mm-hmm. pose. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, my last one is another Russell Crowe one because he is the worst, but also maybe the best. I don't know. <laughs> uh, every time, obviously, every time Javert appears from nowhere or lurks in a doorway. Sure. Yeah. That yeah. would be a very good one because it's at least seven or eight times. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, drink every time Javert stands up on a high thing. Oh, okay. So, of course, like, well, right at the start, there's when everyone's saying, look down, and he's standing up above everybody. Mm. Um, there's multiple times where he sort of teases you with suicide. Yeah, it's true. It's like, um, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> it's a shame there's never a point where he says, there's no, it's no use, Valjean. I have the high ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drink for death. Drink every time a character dies. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, drink whenever somebody steals something. Again, it'd be quite strong all in, like, a two-minute period mm-hmm. of, like, Master of the House. That one's oh, sure. I was just thinking, yeah. Who so steals? Apart from, like, the beginning, who steals? But you're right, yes, they steal everything, yeah. Yeah. It's not nailed down. Mm. Okay, before we get to sequels, I just want to let you listeners know that if you've enjoyed this episode or any previous episodes, or if you're just generally a fan of ours, mm-hmm. um, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash set. You can donate as much or as little as you think we're worth. Mm-hmm. If you do so, you get a few bonus features. Um, you get a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set. We, we review cinema releases. We've got the Oscars coming up soon, so oh yes, going to be loads of great content on there. And mm-hmm. we've done a bit of a year-end roundup as well. Where we've had to squeeze in a few episodes in a very short space of time. Mm-hmm. Also, if you become a Patreon, you get a thirty-second advert slot on the main show once a month per person. Mm-hmm. Talk about your own podcast, whatever you want. It's up to you, really. Yep. Also, once a month, we get a Patreon to choose a film for us to do on the main show. You can come and guest on it if you want to, but you don't have to. And also you get access to our exclusive Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Oh, and extended episodes. That's and extended our, episodes, our newest... That's our latest thing, so I keep forgetting. Is, yes. 10 to 15 minutes, generally, of additional content. All great stuff. Extra plot summary, extra drinking games, more listener submissions. Mm-hmm. Just more of our content. Yeah. So all that's available at patreon.com slash beyondtheboxer. Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws? which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes. I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitch at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. 
I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Alright, you want to go first? So, as we've clearly established, wasn't the biggest fan of this film. But it did get me thinking a lot about kind of musicals and kind of what mm-hmm. I like about musicals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not somebody who hates musicals. There's a lot mm-hmm. of musicals I really like. So I started thinking about uh, a recent musical franchise that's done very, very well. I like a lot more than this, which is the Mamma Mia franchise. Of course, yeah. yeah. And I would say that is a musical with great songs mm-hmm. and a terrible story. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is you like ABBA. Yes, I do. I'm saying I like ABBA, but also, yeah, it, it's a fun musical, you know. I like yeah, the way yeah. that works. I also like, like I said, I like musicals that have, like, drama mm-hmm. and then songs. And yeah. then drama and then songs. Not just songs and then songs and then songs and then songs. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Whereas I think Les Miserables has a good story. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely a lot of interesting stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But, to my mind, mostly terrible music. Yeah. So I thought, what would happen if you combined the two? So I've done a sequel. Not just a retelling, it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is a... A sequel to Les Miserables, told through the music of ABBA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So we're picking up several years after the original. You're going to have to help me with this after a certain point. But uh, we pick up several years after the original. Uh, we're picking up with Cosette and Marius. Okay. As the only surviving characters, that was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Everyone else is dead. Well, you got um, Helen Bonham Carter. I guess the and... Fenardiers are still around as well, sure. Yeah. Maybe we can wet them in. Just, you know, mm. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's a couple of years later. They are now married and living the life of wealthy French aristocrats. Because mm-hmm. as I noted at the end of the film, Marius completely sold out and just became another rich landowner kind of guy with his big wedding and his filled with people in like wigs and jewellery. Yeah. He's now inherited his father's millions or however much money and completely sold out on his beliefs because mm-hmm. he is a prat. <laughs> Not a good character. No. Uh, Cosette, on the other hand, I'm going to try and redeem her a little bit because the original didn't really give her a personality. She was just like the prize. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say she's actually now very unhappy in this marriage. Mm. Partly because she married him without getting to know him and didn't realise that he was a prat. <laughs> and now that she got to know him, she's realised that he is a prat. Mm-hmm. But also, because she's inherited Jean Valjean's empathy, you know, because he raised her. He I raised her. say his candlesticks. Well, she also inherited the candlesticks. Maybe, maybe the candlesticks are a symbol. Like, they remind... She lights them and remembers her sure. adopted father. Yeah. And all the good lessons that he... In fact, that could work really well. And all the good lessons that he taught her about, you know, empathy and being a good person. And, you mm-hmm. know, so she, and she doesn't feel great about the fact that she's living this very privileged life when the poor of France are still suffering terribly. It's still much like the original. There's a huge amount of poverty in France at this time. You know, she, they're going past it every day and they're just ignoring it, turning mm-hmm. the other way. And she really struggles with that. And also she's not very happy in her marriage. So. Yeah. So this is gonna this is obviously going to be built around the first big number, which is, of course, going to be money, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, She yeah. can be mournfully singing that one while walking with, mm-hmm. with her big dresses and fans through, like, you know, homeless people begging her, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like there's a big chorus of paupers singing it with her, you know. So, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Good, yeah. So anyway, she starts secretly volunteering at a local poor shelter mm-hmm. without Marius's permission. And she kind of gets to know a lot of the people there and she becomes very, you know, well-liked and helps them out, gives them bread and gives them money and mm-hmm. gives them shelter. So after a while, one of the people that she encounters there is a young Spanish soldier who's fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. And they bond very quickly. Well, I also know where this one's going. We know where this one's going. Yeah, yeah. they bond very quickly, uh, and he, he inspires her with his tales of revolution and adventure. 
and he's walking her back to her house one evening. And he says, what would you say if your mother, if your mother was here? Does your mother know where you are? It's not quite. Not quite, not quite. That's what No, no, they're walking here one evening and you know, there's something in the air that night. Yeah. And the is stars. It, is, it, is it the smell of Italian? I mean, it's like, oh, mamma mia. <laughs> not quite, no. <laughs> the stars are bright. Yeah. And um, he says... Uh, mm. Let's go to London. I've heard there's a really good underground station now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you want to do this, it's fine. Fernando, I can Fernando. stop. I can stop. <laughs> now, obviously his name is Fernando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. Um, <laughs> and so they have a brief little moment of passion. Maybe passion. Maybe he goes in to kiss her. Uh, but she pushes him away because even though she's very attracted to him, she pushes him away and insists that she's a married woman. And she couldn't mm-hmm. possibly, you know, yeah. she, she's she's got her virtues to think of, uh, and she races home. But when she gets there, she finds a furious Marius holding an anonymous note that reveals everything about her secret double life. Mm-hmm. He's angry and heartbroken, and he asks her, "So, hey, Cosette, what's the name of the game?" Mm-hmm. End of Amazon. Uh, Maybe not one of the most famous ones. Sorry, I didn't know that one. And he kicks her out onto the streets. Mm -hmm. So much like her mother, she soon finds herself penniless and desperate. Mm -hmm. She goes through an absolute downward spiral. So she soon finds herself hanging out with the local prostitutes down on the docks. Sure. Fortunately, she's spared from having to sell her hair and teeth (laughs) because she's taken under the wing of the mother prostitute, who's a kindly old whore. Um, Sure. Of course it's Cher. <laughs> what right. role was Cher born to play other than kindly, <laughs> kindly old prostitutes at this point? Like, <laughs> she's in full burlesque mode. You know? mm-hmm. And obviously this is just an excuse as well to get Cher to sing Gimme, Gimme, Gimme a Man After Midnight. Because she's like leading the prostitutes yeah. in song. you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Business isn't going so well. It's 11.59. Exactly. And it's yeah. half past 12. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot that lyric. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she sings that and... Cosette becomes like her disciple. Mm-hmm. And Cosette soon rises up the prostitute, you know, the ranks. She, she, she becomes like quite successful, I mm-hmm. would say. You know, she's not happy, obviously. It's not what she wants to be doing, but she's getting by. You know, yeah. she, a woman's got to do what a woman's got to do. Yeah. You know? That's not another song, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> and she's making a living. It turns out her trick is to always go for the drunk young sailors who are just off the boat, mm-hmm. who are usually so drunk that they pass out before she has to do anything anyway. And she she, has to just, <laughs> she can just seduce them, steal their money, and she doesn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And that's when she sings to these drunken sailors, does your mother know? Okay. That can be a whole number where she's singing that song, you know, I could dance with you, honey. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're all drunk and horny, and then, but they pass out drunk and she steals all their stuff and boots them out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to do anything. So she's, She's good at being a prostitute. Yeah, okay, okay. And I'm thinking maybe as well, you could have like a cameo of, with like Julie Walters and Christine Baranski as mm. like another pair of like senior hookers. You know? Oh yeah, that works. Just like yeah. one shot. Yeah, just yeah. Have, them, have them cameo. Yeah. There's loads of cameos in Les Miserables from the musical. A mm-hmm. lot of like the char- like the bishop is the original mm-hmm. Jean Valjean and one of the prostitutes in the in the I Dreamed a Dream scene was the original Eponine. So the, yeah. they're sprinkled in. So it'd be fun to do that in this but with Mamma Mia actors. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, Julie Walters and Christina Brans- and Christine Bransky can play a couple of old prostitutes as well who are like shares, wing ladies, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So she's living her prostitute life, you know, living her best life as, as well as she can. But then she encounters, um, at some point she's going to encounter Eponine, who is not really dead. Mm-hmm. Maybe Eponine's also working as a prostitute. Okay, okay, yeah. So what, what's going to happen is that my idea is that <clears throat> Eponine, it turns out Eponine didn't die on that day when she when she took a bullet for Marius. <laughs> no, she, she, somehow she lived, you know. We don't need to explain how. 
but she's twin con- sister. No, it's, it's got to be the same girl. She okay. has to live. Maybe she wasn't that badly wounded, but Marius dropped her so far. Like, she passed out from loss of blood or something. Yeah. Or shock. And then yeah. Marius just took the letter was like, oh, bye, bitch. And then ran after Cosette. And then she would, yeah. when she came around, Marius had already run off with Cosette. Sounds good. And she was consumed with jealousy and also anger and resentment that he treated her like that. And Cosette got everything. Mm-hmm. So she's actually the one who dubbed her into Marius. Ah, okay. She's, she wrote the anonymous letter to Marius. Yeah. She's been spying on her all this time. Does she of, still want him? Yes, but also she also mostly she just wants revenge on Cosette, even yeah. though Cosette's not done anything wrong. Yeah, but she wants revenge on her for it, you know, for taking the life that should have been hers. Damn it! Mm-hmm. So yeah, what other song did I have for that? Let me have a look. Sorry, I don't know. But do they go to London at any point? Why are you so obsessed with London? <laughs> Waterloo. Yeah. Well, it's also the name of a French battle. But is it? <laughs> yeah, the Battle of Waterloo. Mm. That's why I was defeated. You won the war. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you, you, you find my two weaknesses there, John. It's uh, French history and... And pop music. Uh, yeah. Abba lyrics. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so she, she confronts Eponine, or Eponine confronts her, and they both air out their grievances. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, you took the life I should have had. And she's like, I didn't mean to. And Marius is a prass anyway. I'm, I'm better without him. And maybe the song for this can be the winner takes it all. Oh, yeah. You know, because you know, yeah, yeah, Cosette yeah. was the winner. She took it all. Yeah. But... Maybe Eponine wanted it, so. And maybe they, you know, sort out their differences mm. through the medium of Abba songs. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, Fernando has to come back, obviously. <laughs> oh, that's it. Okay. So, yeah, she, she meets Eponine, sorts all that out. They have their little song battle. And then the revolution starts again, and the streets of Paris become engulfed in, in revolution once again, and there's mm-hmm. lots of fighting happening. Okay. And the, the French Legion, like, take over the streets and put everyone on lockdown. It's the sound of Super Trooper. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's a curfew. Uh-huh. Tonight the super trooper lights are shining. Nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're gonna have to change a word or two of the original song. That's not really what it means. But ah, we'll, I can just we'll go with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's also an obscure other song called Soldiers that could use. So either works. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It wasn't if, a single. If, so. if, you, if you say so. I'm trying to stick to the single, <clears throat> so you can at least you can at least vaguely engage. Yeah. But you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll avoid the album tracks. But yeah, something like that. So, yeah, the French Revolution happens again. You know, the, the soldiers are on the streets. It's all very dangerous. And Fernando drifts back into the, into her life. He's, mm-hmm. he's back on the streets. He's part of this revolution, maybe. Mm-hmm. So they reunite and they apologise to each other. They sing, you know, knowing me, knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's the best they could do. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, you know what? We've had our rough times, but, we you know, we're here now. War on the streets. Take a chance on me. <laughs> 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 so... She do, so she's like, oh, all right, sure, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, that's it, because he's and then he sings her a nice and he, he sings he sings her a nice little ballad, you know, mm-hmm. take a chance on me or something. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And then she says, "Thank you for the music." I'm kind of rap- speeding through them, now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they get married and live happily ever after, I guess. And the end. And that's the end. And we run out of other songs. We've run out of other songs, so great. The I'm plot. So Waterloo over the credits. Yeah, yeah, Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the battle of Waterloo happens, and then the credits roll. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, good, and good dancing name. and dancing queen and oh yeah, somehow somehow an SOS and oh yeah. maybe, maybe it turns out who is royalty this whole time. <gasps> yes, okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, got it. Rewind, rewind. Yeah, that's perfect. So yeah, so she decides to take a chance on him. Yeah, and only then does he reveal he's not a penniless pauper. He's actually the prince of Spain, mm-hmm. and he wanted to live anonymously on the streets of Paris for a while. Yeah, to get and obviously he couldn't do this in Spain; he'd be too recognizable. Mm-hmm. So he, he fled to France lived as a pauper to to get a sense of what it was really like mm-hmm. so he could understand the common people mm. and he f- vows that if she takes the chance on him mm-hmm. and, and marries him then 
they will help the poor together as the king and queen of Spain. Mm-hmm. And so they get married. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Mm-hmm. And then she is the dancing queen. Yeah. We end with the, she's the dancing queen of Spain and she helps all the Spanish and French poor people with her money and... There we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that works. Great. For a plot that was a, a third written at best, I think we managed to pull that together. Mm, yeah. Mm. Very, what was it called? Oh, that was called Les Miserables 2, an ABBA musical. Nice. Yeah. Very or maybe good. Les Miserables 2, Dancing Queen. Sure. Okay. Sorry, do you mind? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you said that you maybe wrote a third of yours and we did the rest. Well, good luck. Oh, here we go. Mine's probably less. Oh, okay. Who knows? I think this will be quite easy to get on board with. Okay. So it's called The Wretched. The Wretched. Okay, I like it. It's a good title for a horror movie, I think. The okay. Wretched. Okay. Well, I literally typed in Les Miserables into Google Translate. Oh, and, uh... okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that's kind of... Yeah. yeah. So this is set in present-day Britain. Okay. Oh, have you gone a bit political? Not intentionally, but I'm sure, oh, I'm, okay. sure I'm, I'm sure it will. And uh, we pick up with Taron Edgerton playing a character called John Johnson. What a boring name. John Johnson. Sure. Okay. It's the most English version of Jean Valjean I could come up with. Oh, I guess. True, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, Taron Edgerton is playing John Johnson. Sure. Um, who is currently doing community service. Now, have you cast him because you know he can sing? Partially, is this a musical? Partially. It is a musical. However, okay. I've not written, written any songs. Sure, okay. Fine. I just thought, I like him. He's on my mind at the moment. I just put, put him as leading the film. Oh, okay. Mm. I know that he can, he can take a film. He can lead a film. Sure, yeah. So, anyway, he's doing community service in the torrential rain. Okay. Um, well, so, he's a prisoner? Or he's, he's, he's an ex-con or a, co- a convict? Community service instead of going to jail or something. Sure, so like, he's committed yeah. a crime and been sentenced to... Yeah, he got caught fisting some pick and mix from uh, Woolworths. He, he got caught fisting pick and mix? Stealing some pick oh, and mix. Oh, stealing, okay. I don't know why I heard fisting. Well, you need your mind. <laughs> so, he, so now he is litter picking with a bunch of fellow offenders. Okay. Um, and at one point he does look up by mistake um, and catches the eye of his supervisor while he was muttering under his breath. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, <clears> you said this was set in the present day? Hmm. Woolworths closed like 20 years ago. Okay, fine. He was... I don't know. He stole an aubergine from Waitrose. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the same. <laughs> These are just the two crimes you've committed in your life. <laughs> I remember. No. Pick and mix and aubergines. You've, you've got so much more middle class with your criminal behaviours. Like, my God. Mm. Um, okay, so yeah, once they finish their shift, um, they all go and hand in their tools to the supervisor who I cast, Tom Felton. Oh, uh, Draco Malfoy. Malfoy. Sure, yeah. That works. Yeah. He's got a villainous face. Yeah. Um, And as John walks by, the supervisor instructs him to stop, and he addresses him by his criminal case number, Mm. 24601. 24601, great, yeah. But sir, my name is John Johnson, and I am Albert. Albertson? Just 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 Albert. Just just Albert. He's he's not Javert Vertson, is he? That's true, no. He doesn't have a surname. So he just He's goes, like Madonna. And I am Albert! That's just way, in a very goofy way. Okay. Like, is he a nicer character than Javert, or is he still... No, oh, he's... Still so, a villain. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so then Albert gestures to... Is he a, Prince Albert? No. Okay. <laughs> I just picked a name that sounded like Javert. Oh, all right, fine. Get off my back. <laughs> um, he gestures towards a discarded uh, bag for life that they've missed, <laughs> um, which has the Union Jack printed on it. Sure, Okay. <laughs> And so John has to go and pick it up, and he tries to pick it up, but it's caught on a piece of rock underground, and so he pulls with all his might, showing off all his arm muscles. Sure. This is Tyrone Edison, yeah? Yeah. And eventually it comes loose, and he takes it over and puts it in the bin next to Albert. Okay. And we then get a montage of John walking amongst the Yorkshire Dales until he eventually walks into a pub. 
Okay. So now he's... So this is some, some time later, I he's guess. He's served his time, he's broken parole, he's now in a pub in somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Though he doesn't have any money because he's actually on universal credit, so, you know, he can't really afford a thing. Okay, this has got a little bit political. He's basically starving. Uh-huh, yeah. But luckily, the barman um, mm-hmm. is very nice, um, played by Hugh Drammen. Oh, a little, ca- little cameo to bring yeah. it back. Oh, because the bishop. Yeah, yeah like it. Okay. Exactly. Full, full circle. Exactly, nice. yeah. So, yeah, the barman takes pity on him. Um, as he's clearly very thirsty from his walk and, mm. you know, looks quite disheveled and stuff. And so he Imagine if me- your barman looked like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine like walking into a bar and the guy on the bar looks like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> quite intense. It would be a lot intense, yeah. And so he gives him a free pint of lemonade. Just lemonade? I mean, beer costs money, John. All right, fine. <laughs> once, he's, uh, once John has finished that, he helps... You could have chosen a name that wasn't mine. It keeps, it's... it's a little distracting. Carry on. Sorry. Once John Johnson finished that, he helped himself to another lemonade oh. over the bar. Without wow, steady ar- on, mate. Two lemonades? W- without asking the barman. Okay. At that moment, two police officers walk in. Uh-huh. They recognise him as he's actually... He's not attended his community service for a few shifts now. Sure. He should have been going. You see him reaching over the bar and they say, that You're going to go to prison for this, John. <laughs> but uh, Hugh Jackman comes back and he hears, he hears the threat. And being an unrealistically unre- nice Hugh Jackman... Um, he says that, uh, oh yeah, John Johnson, he he actually works at the bar now. Um, that's why he's missed his community service. Uh-huh. That's the good deed. Uh, that's, okay. that's, I was going to say, because if, 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 if his good deed is giving away half a pint of <laughs> tap lemonade, it's, it's not quite give, letting a thief run away with all of your silver, right? but sure. Mm, yeah. But no, giving him a job, that's very nice. Good. Yeah, basically. Um, and that's as far as I've got, and I was hoping that we could kind of riff on that, like, what is the British version the British modern day version. Oh, so that's what of, of the rest that's of what you're is. going with here. It's it's British a British take on. Yeah. Okay, so he starts working in the pub behind the bar. Well, well, no, basically that, that's the good deed done. You know, maybe he just lets him go and says, "Look, look, I saved you from the cops there." Okay, um, sure. But so, now you must like, now you must do a good deed in return. I guess. Or yes. you must become a good man. Yeah, just like hey, look, I've been good to you. Uh, actually, no, what, what I've got written here actually uh, fits. Um, so once the men are gone. Uh, John asked the barman why he did that. Mm-hmm. And the barman says, well, um, I actually do a podcast and I need to watch some films for it. So I just recently watched Pay It Forward. That's um, a film we've not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just paid, paid you forward a good deed. So if you could go and pay that forward. Um, okay. Then great. Please do that. Okay, cool. Oh, so, of course, so podcasts yeah. save the day. And, <laughs> yeah. as, and also the very forgettable film Pay It Forward. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's say that uh, that's as far as you got, right? Yeah. So, so, maybe... so now we pretty much cut to Anne Hathaway's role. Right. So let's do a time. So let, let's do the. T- let's be mm. true to the original and do a little time jump, mm-hmm. seven or eight years later. Uh, and let's say that Taron Edgerton, John Johnson, mm-hmm. has now. I can't think of, more, of a more British profession than landlord. So he's a landlord. maybe he's or, yeah. he's now maybe he maybe he did take a job behind the bar mm-hmm. and maybe he. Took over as the landlord when Hugh Jackman died. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know why someone in Hugh Jackman's rude health would have died so young, but, you know. <laughs> Hit by a car, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe just a bit of a mystery. Mystery, mm. yeah. Maybe he killed him. We'll never know. <clears throat> yeah, so maybe he is now a successful landlord himself, running this pub, or running a pub. Sure, okay. And so there are there are a few bar ladies behind the bar. Uh-huh. And basically all of them, apart from one, they're all complete bitches. Sure, yeah. Uh, one of them, played by... Who'd he cast? I mean, who's the British Anne Hathaway? Florence Pugh? Florence Pugh? She's due for an Oscar, yeah. Alright, let's give her one. Yeah. Um, I bet you would. Alright. 
Yeah, so she is the Anne Hathaway person. Sure. And at one point, Hugh Jackman, the landlord, he has to step out the back because somebody who was uh, taking out some... Do you mean John Johnson? Yes, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry yes, yeah. John Johnson has to step out the back because somebody who was unloading a lorry full of barrels of beer drops a barrel of beer on them and they can't lift it off. Sure. And uh, He's got some deadlifting to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Draco Malfoy is just peering around the corner at this point. Sure. Because, I don't know, maybe he's got the hard-ons for Taron Egerton. Mm-hmm, yeah. He stepped in for a pint. He's like, I recognise that that sexy landlord. Yeah, that works. Yeah. And so Taron Egerton, he lifts up this barrel, and uh, Draco Malfoy is like, boom, it's you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really mixing up my names here. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in the meantime, all the barmaids, they're being absolutely horrible to Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they... Maybe, okay. They... they, they, they the, the bar manager, who is basically one of them, but not Taron Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a landlord, he's not the bar manager. Um, and they managed to get the bar manager to fire her. Yeah. Okay. Does she also have a daughter that she's having to look after? I would say so. That's kind of where we got to go. Okay. So this happens to Florence Pugh. She gets kicked out. She's lost her job. And, you know, she thinks like, okay, well, I'm out of cash. I really need... I don't have any income anymore. I need to look after this daughter. So... I'm not going to get a taxi home, I'm going to walk home. All oh, the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> she gets hit by a car, she's dead. Oh, okay. So no no, to- no horrible fall into prostitution, just boom, drunk driver, Would you run out of that? Have you got a better idea? I don't know, it's your story. Because I was thinking, like, drunk driver, she's dead. Maybe she was drunk, at, maybe Florence Pugh was drunk at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's now left this daughter an orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the drunk driver is Tom Felton. Oh, maybe he's racked with guilt, but he sub- sublimates that guilt into torturing Taron Egerton for some reason. Quite, quite possibly, yeah. 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 Now, Taron Egerton, also being the landlord, he hears about this fairly quickly mm-hmm. um, on the grapevine. And um, oh no, 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 okay, I've got it. It's not Tom. Or maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. He feels so bad that he served the guy. He's so distracted by Tom Felton that he's not he's not paying attention to who's being served. Ah, <gasps> oh, perfect. So he serves... Perfect. Yeah, he serves a guy who's too drunk to drive, who he knows drove here. Mm-hmm. That drunk driver knocks out and kills Florence Pugh. Yeah. Taron Edgerton feels horribly guilty about that, and so decides to... Ado- adopts the daughter. Adopts the daughter. There we go. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, but because Tom Felton has found him there, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he is still wanted for... Breaking parole, yeah. For, for breaking parole, and mm. you know, that's, I guess that's an offence. Yeah. Tannerston does need to move on. So he now goes into hiding? And so now they move down to London. Okay. The little girl and him. What's the little girl called? Cosette is not an Charlotte. English. Charlotte. Perfect, yeah. Easy. Easy. Easily done, yeah. Yeah, so they moved down to London, and we catched up with them about 15 years later. Okay. When uh, Charlotte was, was all grown up, and mm-hmm. she has turned into... So what, how old is she now, like? 18, 20? 18, 20 sort of thing. Oh, what's her face? Um, Aaron... T- no, that's somebody else. Uh, uh, the girl who was in Split and Glass. Oh, Anya Taylor-Joy? Yes. Yeah, Anya. sure. Okay, Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, and then he said Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Yeah, that's a different, not, different not, guy. Yeah. yeah, but not far off. Like, Name-wise, pretty, the, yeah. pretty similar. I don't think they're related. But no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, so that's who she is now. Okay. And then she has to meet... Ed Sheeran. Let's just make it Ed Sheeran. Oh, God. He doesn't even act. But fine. <laughs> you want to make Rupert Grint then? I'm thinking of other ginger people. Keep it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a little Harry Potter reunion, keep it as... You, yeah, Rupert Grint. Okay. So He needs the work. Yeah. So she she sees Rupert Grint across the street. Sure. 
They fall in love. They fall in love. Who can resist a Gina? You know? It's, the, it's the, same, the same old story. Yeah. Um, now, Rupert Grint, even though his family are very strongly Tory. Ah, okay. He, like, he likes to be a bit of a lefty, really. Okay, right. He, he's, he's in with a lefty crowd. Sure. Um, and there's a big protest going to happen outside Parliament um, next, like, um, in one more day. Okay. For like Brexit or something? Yeah, sure. Sure. Just reason for that a works, protest. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. say this takes place a year ago when there was still hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And well, yeah, basically they they they, they have the protest. Mm-hmm. It, does, oh, does oh, it, oh, it's an extinction rebellion protest, of course. Extinction rebellion, perfect. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's an fact and they're doing a blockade on a bridge. Perfect. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's how that goes. It doesn't go that well. Mm-hmm. Um, all his friends get arrested, even the person who absolutely adores him. Oh, so he needs someone who's in love with mm-hmm. Rupert Grint, mm-hmm. Emma Watson. Let's throw her in there. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah she's got she's got the hearts for him, sure. but somehow she takes his arrest. Meanwhile, Taron Egerton saves him by, I don't know, climbing through the London sewers, I guess, because he finds out that that he's in love with her with his daughter. Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. So what's the equivalent? If the we're not just recapping the story. So if yeah. this is British equivalents. Okay. So Extinction Rebellion. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Uh, so the, the police get involved. It get it turns a bit violent. Mm-hmm. You know, people people start getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, so maybe Draco Malfoy, uh, Tom Felton. Tom, Pel- Tom Felton. Maybe Tom Felton has since risen through the ranks. He's not just a local copper up in Wakefield or whatever now. Now he's like the. It's a spy. Mi six. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's he's infiltrated <laughs> Extinction Rebellion to mm-hmm. try and get information on where their protests are going to be. Yeah. Uh, but he's also like the police chief or something. So he's in, he's responsible for like suppressing these. These protests. These protests, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So maybe at some point, Taron Edgerton spots him and realises that, oh, we, we can't cross paths again because he's on the lookout for me. Mm. So he's going to take Anna Taylor-Joy mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then, then the revolution happens. There's the violence. He finds out that Rupert Grint... Mm-hmm. so many celebrities floating around. There's so many characters. <laughs> he <laughs> finds out that... I said Rupert... it gets when you recast the whole film. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. He finds out that Rupert Grint is in love with his daughter or mm-hmm. his adopted daughter. Also. Yeah, yeah. Rupert Grint gets injured in the protest mm-hmm. and rather than fighting, pulling him through the sewer, maybe he has to pull him through the only place even dirtier and more disgusting than the sewer, the, the London Thames. Underground. Yeah. Oh, the London Underground. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, dear. Yeah. Waterloo. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> around the sequel, Harry. But I mean, if you want to have some other songs in yours too, plenty to go around. Yeah. Um, I guess that on on the underground, you know what? They bump into Sasha Baron Cohen. Sure, he's just there. Yeah, yeah. he's there. Maybe, maybe he's there as a little cameo. Maybe he mugs him. Yeah, he mugs just plays him. a general mugger. Yeah. Sure. Or a ticket inspector. <gasps> oh, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. The lowest of the low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he plays a ticket inspector. Um, or a busker. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, that's what they have on the underground, isn't it? They yeah, they don't really have ticket inspectors. It's yeah. all electronic. But yeah, a busker. Okay, so, okay, so yeah, he he's playing a busker. Let's see, Taron Edgerton, he goes to give him some change and he gives away. Maybe he's got like a lucky coin or something. Or a ring falls off his finger or something like that. Sure. Or maybe he slips, Sasha Baron Cohen slips the ring off his finger, you know. Yeah, sure. With that sleight of hand. Yeah. That works, that works. Well, we're at the end, really. They, much, yeah. they, 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 they get to safety. The two of them get married. Meanwhile, Taron Edgerton has admitted to his crime of um, not attending litter picking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Humanity's greatest monster, yeah. Yeah, after stealing his aubergine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so for that, Rupert Grint's like, no, go away, go and die in that church or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he goes to die in the church. Hugh Jackman is there to say, like, oh, bye. You know, oh, he comes back as, is he, the, he comes back as a ghost. 
Well, no, because he, he he was the bishop in the first one, wasn't he? He was there at the start. Oh, okay. End. So now he's gone from landlord to priest. Yeah, sure, that works. Okay. Whatever. Um, Maybe staggers into a local Weatherspoons, and Hugh Jackman's now working there. Oh, that's even better. You're, you're good at this. There's a reason you're here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so he staggers into a Weatherspoons. Hugh Jackman's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just drinking himself to death, basically. Sure. And when Sasha Baron Cohen shows up at that wedding as a busker at a wedding. Sure. Because they're having a big fancy wedding at like St. Paul's Cathedral or something. Mm. Sasha Baron Cohen's busking outside. Sure, yeah. That works. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, Rupert Grint has now gone full Tory. Great. Oh, he's, 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 he's back. He's gone back yeah. to his roots. Great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, yeah, then he, see, he sees the ring on this on this busker and he's like, oh, wait, that's my father-in-law-to-be's ring or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, where is he? He's at the church. He's dying. Okay, let's go and find him. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know. Oh, he's, he's, he's at the Weatherspoons. So Rupert Grint doesn't know that uh, Taron Edgerton dragged him through the London Underground for several miles Correct. to save his life. Okay. He's, he's, ne- he's never been down there, okay. Rupert Grint. He's, of course, he's a Tory. Of course he doesn't take the Underground. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, he takes the helicopter. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so he finds his way to this Weatherspoons, a place that he's never ever been before. Of course. And um, yeah, then it finishes with... Rupert Grant, Anya Taylor Joy, whatever her name is. You picked her, yeah. And uh, and and, and Taryn Edgerton all just having a pint together in the local pub over a, a song. Yeah, sure. sure okay. Does he and, die or does he just get better? Does he, he just he, sober up? Yeah, I think he just sobers up. <laughs> okay, fine. It's much happier. Great. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> it just just finishes on a bit of a flat note, really. Sure. Okay. You know, it was just what Britain's kind of intending towards, really. Sure. Yeah. Less less dramatic yeah. than the French. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that was a very like low stakes. The, apart from poor old Florence Pugh getting mowing down by a drunk driver. Yeah. Nice little low-stakes British reselling. Of well, I mean, I guess that's what Britain is compared to French Revolutionary France. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah you know, we we're don't quite, like we're, ethos. Yeah. Like, we're quite low-stakes right now. Yeah. But that was The Wretched. I like it. Hmm. Cool. Worked out all right. Yeah. Not your strongest idea in the world, but we pulled it together in the no. end. Yeah. Well, neither was yours to take that. Right, fine. I'm just saying, yeah. They, they can't <laughs> all be winners, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess that is that. Um, that next is that. up, listeners' submissions. Listener submissions. Let's see what we've got. And I've got a bunch today, so I'm going to have to do some vetting as I read. Just do the good ones, please, yeah. So Patrick Barnes has got a prequel idea. Okay. It's about Prisoner 24600. Oh, okay. The previous... <laughs> is this like 007006? Like, yeah. Okay, Who has had an absolutely boring life of slavery, but it's still a musical, and Javert says, And I am Javert! In response to every Prisoner um, <laughs> 24600 music number. Right. <laughs> So it turns out Javert is actually just obsessed with all the prisons. It's not just... <laughs> yeah. He's just massively fastidious. All 24,601 oh of them, yeah. Just constantly reminding them of his name and what they need, what they did. He's mm-hmm. just a pain in the arse. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jackson John Tobias says, Too miserable, too furious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freddie Baker says, For a prequel, less miserable. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Lower says, An Ocean's Eleven-style movie about Jean Valjean stealing the loaf of bread. <laughs> That's the best one so far. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Aaron Alexander Jones says Le Nonchalant. Le Nonchalant. Oh, that's that's perfect. <laughs> I love that. Le Nonchalant. Marnie McGrath says Le Desperados. Le Desperados, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Carson says My Life is Pain. It's about a French guy making bread who's paranoid about people stealing his bread. Oh, pain, pan, because pan <laughs> is French for bread. Yeah, right. yeah. Like that too. But yeah, that's that's what I've got. What have you got? Perfect. Okay, I have a few as well. Jer Moran said Prisoner 2, 4601. Then <laughs> 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Richard said Les Miserables 2, Less Miserable. Mm-hmm. 
Spencer Cop said, Les Miserables 2, Afterlife. Javert climbs out of the fiery depths of hell to pursue the spirit of Jean Valjean to the very ends of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Mm. Scott Meeker said, Too Lay, Too Miserable. Yep, sure. Brian Markowski said, Cats Miserable. Magical computer animated dancing cats retell the classic Victor Hugo tale of love and revolution. Mm-hmm. So essentially, same story, they're all cats. Yeah. Kevin Hendricks said, Les Misery. Victor Hugo, the author of Les Miserables, which mm-hmm. was a book before it was his first film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is injured in a horse-drawn carriage accident and rescued by retired nurse Annie Wilco, <laughs> who claims to be his number one fan. Okay. Her obsession quickly turns dark, however, when Victor reads the end of his latest opus and she realises that he's killed her beloved Jean Valjean. Aww. So it's basically misery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, Stuart Jip said... I don't know, but the third one has to be called Trey Miserable. <laughs> yep, I really hope nobody's would. already said this. <laughs> well done, Stuarts. Jack McCarter said, Mo Miserable, Mo Problems. Good. Yeah, it's Mo Money, Mo Problems. Yep, yep. Yeah. Over on Twitter, False Starts Podcast, at False Starts Pod, said, There's already so many sequel books out, out there. My favourite one begins with Javert just surviving his suicide fall. There's no, there's no real explanation other than just he just survives. So, <laughs> want to read that book? <laughs> Sounds good. Simon the Depressed Movie Fan, uh, at Depressed Movie, said, Les Miserables 2, Cry Harder, in which Jean Valjean and Javert come back from the dead to put aside their differences and fight sing against the Prussian army in Alsace-Lorraine. Mm-hmm. It's history, bitch. <laughs> so, I think that's going as like World War One and stuff. Mm-hmm. We Really Like Musicals, at WRLM Podcast, said, Les Mis 2, less Miz, but still pretty Miz. <laughs> Uh, at Quiz and Hers said Lay Miz with a Z so M-I-Z mm-hmm. it's just a low budget remake starring that reality TV star wrestler that there's an American WWE wrestler apparently called The Miz okay sure he can probably sing right mm-hmm. question mark so I mean if you, if Russell Crowe could get away with it then yes mm-hmm. Mikey Claims at Mikey underscore Claims said there is no sequel everyone's dead it's 2020 <laughs> well observed uh, Academy Queens at Academy underscore Queens said, Lay Miz 2. It can't be much worse than the first. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. At Listening to Films said, Lay Miserable 2. The bread rises again. <laughs> Left destitute after abandoning his studies to fight a failed revolution, Marius is caught stealing a loaf of bread for his wife and child. Songs include, All This Has Happened Before, Will It Happen Again, and Will Tomorrow Come. Mm-hmm. At Jara Penguin said, Les Miserables 2. La Depression. <laughs> Marius is haunted by the ghosts of his former comrades and the fear that he has sold out. Songs include I Still Hear the People Sing, A Heart Full of Ugh, mm-hmm. and Bonjour Mr. Ingalls. <laughs> and finally, Cinema Adventure Podcast at Cin Adventure Pod said the same thing, but they're all cats. Great. Yes. Yep. Just crazy enough to work. <laughs> or perhaps not. Yeah. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week a few days before we record by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and many others, on all of which you can also leave us a five-star review, which we really appreciate. As mentioned before, we're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would raise us five stars or more if they could. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, mm-hmm. Harry, it's, um, it's a me pick. Yep. I could have been horrible and picked something that, you know, in revenge for this, but I'm not that petty. So mm-hmm. so I have two options in my mind, but they're both from the same director. Basically, one of the films that we watched recently for the Oscars was The Irishman, mm-hmm. which uh, neither of us were that keen on. I liked it more than mm, you. Yeah. Uh, but 
it, I don't think we've ever maybe maybe realize but I don't think we've ever done a Martin Scorsese film so on this through. podcast. Yeah, we're not going to do The Irishman, don't worry. <laughs> but I think it'd be good to do one of his classics, maybe. So I have two in mind. Have you actually seen Gangs of New York? Yes. Do you like it? I think so. It was a long time ago, and I don't remember it that well. Would you rather do that or do Goodfellas? Let's do Goodfellas. Let's do Goodfellas. Okay, cool. Great. But that's probably more of his classic. Like, that's from, like, peak Scorsese. Yeah, because I've not seen that one, and I've been going to tick off the list. Yeah, so, okay, great. So, that's easy. Next week, we will be back with the Martin Scorsese classic, Goodfellas. That's a big one. Yeah, a nice big classic, yeah. Yeah. So, let's keep going. You know, I think, start the new year. Let's have a few big, iconic ones, you know. Yeah, let's make every film bigger than the last. Mm, I don't know how sustainable it is, but sure. <laughs> Avatar, coming soon. Yeah. Mm. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you very much, and join us next week. See you you next time. Bye. Bye.